We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. I want to welcome everybody to Redemption Church. Are you glad to be here? I'm really glad to be here. I really am. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. We're so glad to have you here with us and blessings to everybody joining us online. Somehow you found us and we're so glad that you did. We're in the final week of our Peace of Mind series. Now, if you're like just finding us, you're like the final week, you can go find the other weeks too. They're on the internet. They're, they're, they're there. Every, they're in an FBI database, I'm sure. But they're also in our own database at Redemption Plano.com, YouTube, all those places. Over the last six weeks, we've been talking about mental health issues that have been robbing us of peace and also destroying our bodies. Today, I want to talk about the table. Let's show it to you. It's best to just show it to you. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. This is going to Oh no! Our table! It's broken! Well, the table broke. This is one of my favorite little things I've ever found on the internet. I, I've been looking for a reason to preach this. Just to use this. Oh no! Can y'all all say with me? Oh no! Pause. Our table! Pause. It's broken! And then my favorite part of the meme, at the very end, he goes, this other kid walks up and goes, why is the table broken? <laughs> oh, thank you, internet. That just preaches to me. These altars are open now. <laughs> but the question was asked, and it's a decent question, if not self-fulfilling -fulfill answers abound. But here's the question. Why is the table broken? And today we're going to try to answer that. How is your table today? Do you feel loaded down? Do you feel stacked up? Is life heavy and difficult? Do you feel like you're constantly on edge? Do you feel like you're cracking perhaps? You know, here's listen. You know that you can't take much more. Yet, you always do take on more and more. How's your table today? This is where you're headed. You are about to break. Today, we're talking about beating your burnout. Can you say those three words with me? Beating your burnout. The worry you feel today, I want to tell you God has better for you than that. The exhaustion you feel today, I've got hope for you. God has better for you than the way you feel right now. The constant grind and drain you live every day, God has a better, more life-filling existence for you today. He has all of it. A 2021 survey of U.S. workers found that more than half of workers feel burned out as a result of their job demands. I want to point out something about this. This is America. The richest nation on earth. And this is how we feel. Also. This study only took jobs into consideration. 
What might the number look like if we also included marriages, parenting, finances, health, global worries, and our Dallas Cowboys secondary? If we added all those things, it'd probably get pretty overwhelming. And I think that's exactly where the world is. That's exactly where the U.S. is. That's where, that's where your friends are. But can I just tell you real quick, your friends want to talk about a better life. And you're supposed to know about that better life. Your friends want to find a better way to live. And you, lo and behold, you're supposed to have already found it. And so we need to be ready. We need to be willing. We need to be looking for open doors to help people that are exhausted. To help people that have lost hope. To help people that are not at peace. And to be able to bring all of that with them. And to live it out in front of them in the name of Jesus. That's who we're supposed to be, y'all. Our world is full of people who are overwhelmed with stress and they are on edge of burnout. So let's talk about burnout. What is burnout exactly? Burnout is our inability to balance the demands we put upon ourselves. What are some of the demands you're putting on yourself? Well, there's lots of them. Here's a few of them. Social demands. Some of you are eat up with social demands. The expectations of others Either in person or sometimes on social media for some reason. We care about nameless figures on the social interwebs and what they might say about us. If they say something, one of the meanest things was ever said to me. I'm going to tell y'all. Here it is. I had to shake it off a little bit. I had to pray a little bit. He said, he said, he said, cringe. And that's all he said. And if I, that didn't hurt me. Cringe. And then I'm like, Will, stop commenting on my videos. But that's social media for you. That's that expectation to impress and to, to live up to standards. Being there for others is another place. People will ask you and you, you can't actually help them because you are worn out and you've got no time and you've got no money and you've got other issues at hand. But you, are, you feel that obligation. Making all the events that you're invited to. Let's move on to this one. Financial pressure. That's a big, big thing. I don't see it going away anytime soon, providing uh, what we need. Some of you are the providers of the home, and that is some stress. Feeling like you're falling behind while you're giving all you've got, and it's never enough, and you just keep seeing those numbers trend in the wrong direction. You really have no control over the price of milk and it just hits you. You're at the store and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to take a bank loan out on these eggs. Wanting to be a provider is exhausting. How about this one? Family expectation. You got activity with kids and also aging parents. And that's tough. I want to be the best parent. I want to be the best spouse and I want to be a dutiful child. I want to be all those things. And guess what? That can lead you straight to burnout, even with the best intentions. How about this one? Spiritual guilt. I'm not enough for God. I don't measure up. I have sin problems in my life. I don't, how about this one? I don't serve enough. Some of y'all beating yourselves up because you can't serve enough. I... I don't give enough. Sometimes we come up here and we have this, this, this time about giving and we, we celebrate it. And you're like, I don't give enough. And you're making yourself, what, you know what that is? That is spiritual 
guilt and it is riding you down. I give you permission to get rid of all that spiritual guilt today. Get rid of all that. But what is burnout? Burnout is not just one of these things. It is a combination of all the things. All the demands put together make for burnout. Burnout is not just working long hours. It's part of it, but that's not there is, all there is to it. Burnout is not just a full schedule. Burnout is not just the pressures to be the best at all times. Burnout is a combination of mental, emotional, and physical exhaustion from multiple sources. All that makes you you. All that God has made you. The physical. The emotional. The mental. All of that is exhausted. And there's nothing left. That is burnout. If you're battling and struggling with the stress and pressure that's pushing you daily towards burnout, I want to tell you today, you are not alone. Can I get some nods in this house? Look around, look around. If you need some security in that, yeah, you are not alone. We're all feeling a pressure in some of these areas, if not all of these areas. I want us to overcome the stigma of not being okay. Not being okay, that nobody's going to judge you for that. You just line up behind me. This, is, this will be the line of not okay people. Okay? I want us to overcome the shame of not being able to do one more thing. The shame of not being able, not being enough for all the demands of life. I want to talk real quick. Just teach you a little bit about the difference between stress and burnout. Everybody say stress and burnout. Stress, pretty easy to figure out. Stress is generally short-lived and related to a temporary project or event. The school assignment or the test, the work presentation, that problem with the car or the house, the new job that you just got, the, the move that's going to take place. These are all stressors, but they're all temporary. They all have due dates. They all have end dates usually. And that's stress. Stress is supposed to come, but it is supposed to go. Everybody say go. go. Supposed to go. So what is burnout? Burnout is chronic stress that feels never ending. Burnout is continual stress with no relief. It can bring you to a place where you no longer care. You no longer have passion. And you feel dead inside. And you lose all hope. Stress, if it continues, becomes burnout. And some of you really relate, relate to that. You're like, oh, if I can just get back this. Get past this date. Get past this stress. Get past this assignment. I'm going to be able to breathe a little bit. And as soon as you get to, even before you get to that day, you are hit with another busload of stuff, aren't you? And you're like, oh my gosh, now I got to worry about this. And what does that do? It is a continual stress. And it just, it just moves it a little downfield. But you are now not just existing in stress, but you are nearing burnout. Today, I want to talk to you about a character in your Bible who battled chronic stress and he hit the wall. He broke the table of burnout. It is the prophet Elijah. 
nod at me if you've heard of Elijah. Yeah. Yeah. Elijah was Older New Testament. Old Testament, very good. And he was a prophet who faced continual problems, stress, anxiety, depression, mental, emotional, physical exhaustion, and ultimately burnout. Elijah faced all these mental health issues and was still close to God. Yes. I want to remind you that your struggle does not make you a bad Christian. Your struggle makes you human. Remember that. Sometimes when we go through that, we say, oh, I must be far from God. No, you're just, you're just struggling. That's where you are. If you, if you ever needed to find an example in your Bible of someone who was powerful in God, full of faith, did miracles, was fearless and victorious, Elijah would be a great choice. I would recommend going and finding Elijah. He fits the bill of all of that. Elijah boldly confronts a king about his evil sin. That's really bold. He walks right up into him and says, you're awful and doing awful things. You need to repent and you're going to bring judgment down on us all. He went ahead and said that, right? Bold guy. Elijah prophesied a three-year drought. And Elijah, with his own voice, released the rain. How much longer? Three years later. He was absolutely right. Elijah was hunted by that king and moved like a ninja. This guy, Ahab, the king, sends out an entire army to try to track down and find Elijah. But somehow Elijah's a, like a ninja, man. They could not even track Elijah. And then if that's not impressive, probably the moment of Elijah's life everyone talks about is the day he stood down 850 false prophets who told Israel to worship another god. And he withstood them down. And he called fire down from heaven in front of all the people. It is amazing. Elijah, he knew the voice of God. He heard the voice of God. And he did many miracles, did Elijah. Elijah experienced non-stop protection. Provision, presence, and power of God. How's that for preaching? I got that whole alliteration in. But he experienced that nonstop at all times. There's a moment where God feeds him with ravens. There's, There's God showing up in power and in presence. Elijah is so impressive in might. We all wish we had that life. However, a single woman threatens him and Elijah breaks down. A single woman threatens him and it wasn't even his wife. Laugh, laugh. Guys, laugh. Laugh, guys. Laugh. Ha, 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 guys. All right. I was really close. Almost got us in trouble, fellas. All right. Who is the person? Who is this lady? Her name is Jezebel. King Ahab's wife, Jezebel. Here's what happened. After he slays the 850 false prophets, she sends a note. Everyone say, a note. note. She just sends like a Hallmark greeting card or something. She writes a little envelope. She puts 
you know, puts it in the envelope, licks it, gives it, gives it to a messenger. The messenger goes and gives it to Elijah. He says, oh, you shouldn't have. He opens it and it says, I am going to kill you by this time tomorrow. Love, Jezzy. That's in 1 Kings chapter 19. Now listen, given all of Elijah's success that I just listed, okay, and everything I listed was before this moment. Given all his success, all his victories, all of his achievement, it is unexpected that one little message could cause a mighty man of God to crumble. But it did. And when I say he crumbled, you're about to see he crumbled bad. So I got a question for you. Was Jezebel that scary? Now listen, I'm going to go against most of the sermons I ever grew up with and say something a little different today. Most of the sermons I grew up with said, Jezebel must have been the worst. Jezebel must have just scared him. Jezebel must have been 20 times worse than Ahab. My, Jezebel must have been really something. But I want to offer this to you. Perhaps Jezebel was not worse. But perhaps it was just that one more bit of stress. That one more demand. That one more worry. That one more brick on the glass table that shattered it. I want you to consider that today. And it broke Elijah. Everyone say broken. broken. That prophet was broken. Some of you have experienced this. Here's how it goes. You've gone through the problem and you handled it. And you had the issue, but you fixed it. And you went through the rough time, the really rough time, but you endured it. You made it through. And then one day, the very next day, a little problem comes. It's not bigger than any of the other problems. But at this moment, you break. Somebody nod to me if I'm telling the truth. You ever experienced that? And you start to cry and you're shocked that you're crying. Have you ever been shocked that you're breaking? Have you ever been shocked that you're tearing up? Have you ever been shocked that you're trembling? What is this all about? And you think to yourself, what is wrong with me? I should be able to handle this. Who's been there? Who's been there? Oh, I'm telling you, I have been there. Listen, the truth is you should be able to handle this. But you have exhausted yourself. Emotionally. Physically. Mentally. Spiritually. And now, you're burnt out. Have you been there? That's where Elijah is. And we're going to read about it. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse verse 3 through 5. Elijah was afraid. This is right after he gets the note. The Hallmark greeting card of death. Elijah Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Verse 4. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. 
I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. Inside this story, you see the stress of burnout. You see physical. That's one of the telltale signs of burnout. Here's what that looks like. You are easily fatigued and low energy. You can't think of anything else but going to bed. You find it, however, difficult to sleep. And you have trouble laying down and going to sleep until you just can't stay awake anymore and you collapse. In the physical, you'll have headaches. You'll have body aches. You'll have muscle pain. Because of the pain, it'll cause you to cope. And usually we cope with unhealthy habits. We abuse alcohol, prescription pain meds, legal drugs, or my favorite, comfort eating. Yep, that's what we do. That's the physical. Here's the mental. The mental has ongoing stress impacts for the brain. Here's what that looks like inside. It enlarges the amygdala. That's the small almond-shaped part of your brain that alarms us. Everyone say alarm. It alarms us to danger. The amygdala is the fight or flight part of the brain. And the ongoing stress makes us more susceptible to fear. It doesn't work in such a way that it goes off and now we aren't worried all the time. No, when that gets cranked, everything starts to make you afraid. So that things that are normally manageable become unmanageable. That's all taking place in your brain in the mental it also weakens the prefrontal cortex great great way to diss your friends at school is you have a weak prefrontal cortex i don't know why i got beat up so much in high school but that's what i went he liked it but this is what mental stress will do it will weaken your the front of your brain the prefrontal cortex and this is the part of the brain that helps us make decisions. Does that sound like a problem to anybody? The part of your brain that helps you make decisions gets weakened. Have you ever felt like I have trouble making decisions all of a sudden? I don't know what to do. And you think it's because of the problem. It might not be the problem. It might be that your brain is in such a state of of stress that you're actually weakened in your mental capacity. The ongoing stress makes you indecisive, gives you inability to focus, and can even lead to memory loss. Some people that are going through such, such mental anguish, they forget things. They won't remember what they're going through. That's the power this has over your mental functions. The physical, the mental, and also the emotional. The ongoing stress leaves you unmotivated with a lack of self-confidence. So you're unmotivated and you're also not confident about your own abilities. All because of your emotions. Because your emotions are out of check, you have a chronic feeling of self-doubt. Your favorite words become, I can't. I can't. If you ever run into somebody that says, I can't all the time, I can't all the time. They might not just have a, have, you know, 
They might not just be positive enough. It's not might not be that. They might be under such emotional stress that they really can't. When you start thinking that you are a failure, you listen to me, is that you? You think that way about yourself? How about this? I'm alone. How about I'm worthless? These are signs that your ongoing stress is affecting your emotions and it's even affecting how you think about yourself. And your value is hitting the floor. You have no value in your own mind anymore because of your chronic stress affecting your emotions. And nobody else feels that way about you. No one has to tell you that. You tell yourself that. I'm probably preaching to someone who this week told themselves that you are a failure. Told them that they're worthless. Told them that they're stupid. I want to tell you that that is an emotional issue and you can win that battle today. You can win the battle in your mind. You can win the battle in your emotions. You can win the battle in your body. It's possible. Last thing I'll say is this on the emotions. This is where the negative filtering mind loop that we talked about in the negativity week, that's where that just cranks up. That negative filtering where everything is negative. Everything is bad and it loops. It's on repeat. It's all you can think about. And this is where you start to blame yourself and you blame others and you even blame God. Mental, emotional, and physical. Are you here? Is this where you are? Are you on your way to this location? This is burnout. How do we get here? I'll tell you, here's how we get here. We do it by making the same three mistakes that the prophet Elijah made. And we already read them. He made three mistakes in our reading today. And you will get to that place of burnout just like Elijah did by making these three mistakes. Who's ready to learn a little bit? Here's the three mistakes. Number one, we run ourselves into the ground. And I mean very literally. We run ourselves into the ground. We go and we go and we go. We're always on to the next project. We don't even celebrate a job well done because we are too busy and we never rest. Verse Three of First Kings 19, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. So out of fear, Elijah ran. How far do you think he ran? Where did he run to? Did we see that? So this doesn't say where he started, right? He started... In Jezreel. That's the area. And he ran to the area of Beersheba. Now most of us don't like just stare at the map of Israel very often. Let's show it here. Jezreel is in the northern part of Israel. Beersheba is in the southern part of Israel. He almost ran the entire length of the nation. He ran from Jezreel to Beersheba. He ran 106 miles. If you take this literally, he ran over three marathons 
all because he was afraid. Can anybody just run 106 miles and not feel it? Nobody can. He literally ran himself into the ground. Do you see this? And you know what this is like, don't you? Because you run yourself into the ground too. Your thoughts, they never stop and they're just running all the time. And you've always got a to-do list so you never get to a rest. You never get to rest and you never get, some of you don't even get to enjoy your family because you've always got to be working and you've always got something to do and you have somehow placed some some bit of your self-worth in the fact that you can get the job done. and But it robs you from time with your family. It robs you from time with your children. It robs you from time with God. It robs you from time with your friends. It's robbing you and you are running yourself into the ground. We try to do it all. We never stop. So we run ourselves into the ground. That's number one. Here's number two. We do it all on our own. What does that look like? Well, it looks like this. You don't talk to others about your problems. We carry them all ourselves. I, I can't tell anybody about that. No. I'm going to just deal with this myself. Just give me some time. I'll figure this out. We isolate when times are hard instead of leaning into community. And we do not, absolutely, we do not ask for help. And Elijah makes a mistake here in verse 3. We'll read it again, see if you see it. Elijah was afraid, ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. He left his servant there and he went on. Did Elijah have help? Yeah, he had a servant. But he left him behind. Support was available. But Elijah said, you wait here. And he went and he isolated. Some of you are all on your, on, all on your own. By your own choice. You're alone. But you don't have to be alone. But you leave your servant behind. You leave your friend behind. You leave your brother and sister behind. You leave wisdom behind. Some of you watching online are not connected to a Christian community. I'm so glad you're watching this. But can I tell you, God wants more from you just, than just to watch this. And watching this video is not enough. You have to have a connection with other people. You need to have that. And coming out of COVID, that's a real issue for a lot of people. Some people have never reconnected with a local church. And they... It's time. Listen, you got to get home, get home to a church and connect with people and love people. We're going to do our best to always have online groups for you. But really, there's no substitute for meeting one on one with other people. Some of you are not a part of a connect group. Let's talk about that. We hit that a little bit last week. Let's hit it again. Some of you are not a part of a connect group and you have your reasons. But I would tell you to rethink your reasons. Because you're not all alone. You don't have to be. Some of you are too embarrassed and too proud to ask for help. The life of a Christian is not meant to be lived in isolation. We are to support one another. 
The Bible says born with those that mourn. Rejoice with those that rejoice. We are to be like iron sharpening iron. That we are actually stronger. We're actually sharper. We're actually better because we're together. The kingdom of God is not just attending a service or watching it online. God's kingdom is interactive. We make the same mistakes. Number one is we run ourselves into the ground. Number two, we do it all on our own. Here's number three. We dwell on the negative. Elijah had many victories, I've already told you. He could have focused on any of those. Elijah had many testimonies he could have retold. Elijah could have declared what God had done and by faith declared what God is going to do again. He could have done all of that. But no, this is what Elijah does. Verse 4, I've had enough, Lord. I'm done. Take my life. Now, a while ago we sang that song. Take my life and let it be. That's not how he said this. He's like, take my life. I want to die. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. So do we, wait, wait. Do we understand what take my life means? That means I might as well die. I can't go on. I give up. But then he says something interesting. He says, I am no better than my He compares himself to others. And that is always a recipe for destruction. And dangerous thing to do. It always makes you feel like a failure. And he does that here. I don't know what he was thinking there. He was like, my ancestors, I'm just like them. They all messed up too and now I'm doing it. He might have thought, and these are nice thoughts to have. You know, I'm going to make better choices in my life. I'm going to do these things. But then he says, I have failed just like them. And now he's comparing himself. The Bible tells us very clearly, stop comparing yourself to others. Stop comparing. If that is you today, repent of it. God, I'm sorry that I'm comparing myself to others. Because Elijah was not healthy in his mental, in his physical, and his spiritual. He was in a dark place where he wanted to die. But in Elijah's darkest moment, God came to him. Can I tell you, God comes to us in our darkest moments. Is there a witness in this house? Anybody ever have a dark moment? Where the Lord came? Oh, those moments where you tried to get your act together, you couldn't, but God came anyway. The moment where you said, I'm not going to fall into that sin anymore, only to exactly fall into that sin again, but still God came. Oh, that moment where you made all the wrong choices, but God still came. I'm so thankful for a God who does, he's not afraid of the dark. Somebody say, God's not afraid of the dark. He's not afraid of the darkness in me. Here's what happens, verse 5. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. (laughs) That's kind of unexpected, right? Anybody expect the angel to show up and say those words? Now, Elijah had run himself into the ground. He had isolated himself and he was negative, yet God still came to him. And that message the angel gives Elijah, I want to point out, the angel does not call him a loser. 
And the angel laid his hand on him and said, you are the biggest loser I've ever seen. He doesn't do that. He said, you are such a scaredy cat. Actual Hebrew word. No, it's not true. You are such a dummy. You're cotton-headed ninny muggins. You are a failure. The angel doesn't say any of those things. Also, the angel does not lecture him. Y'all listen for a second. I want you to receive this exactly how I feel it. The angel doesn't lecture him. Well, if you just had enough faith, Elijah, you wouldn't be in this situation. How about this one? You must have a sin problem, Elijah. That's why you're here. Elijah, you obviously need to pray more. That's why you're here. Elijah doesn't receive a lecture from the angel. Instead, the angel says, say it with me. Get up and eat. Listen. Do not tell me. God does not care about the physical and the practical. Please receive that. God cares about the spiritual. God does care about prayer. God does care about worship. God does care about serving others. God cares about all those things. But don't tell me for a moment. He doesn't care about the physical. Or the practical. The message. That God sent an angel. From heaven to earth. To deliver. Was get up. And eat. I get hungry. Just thinking about it. 1 Kings 19 and 6. He, this is Elijah, looked around and there by his head was some bread. Now, oh gosh. And what baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then he lay down again. Now wait, I just got to tell you, I believe that an angel actually baked him some bread. While he was asleep. I don't think the angel just went. Bling, little wiggle of the nose. Who is that? Not Ajima Genie. But yeah, yeah. Samantha. What is it? Bewitched. Right? Thank you. Not that. No magic tricks. I think that an angel. A supernatural being. Actually went down there. And made a fire. Made coals. Put together ingredients. Made him bread. And I bet it was the best bread he ever had. I don't know what the ingredient was. I don't know what the recipe was. But I just have a feeling that he had grandma's cornbread. Can't prove that. But I just feel it. And he made him a jar of water. He got, I don't know where this water came. But this angel had all of that stuff. And it's right by him, by his head. Where he could get the warmth of the fire. And he could also be sustained what's cooked on it. He ate and drank. And then what did he do? (laughs) He laid down again. He went right back to sleep. Dude ran for 106 miles. You get a pass with me. God provided the provision that Elijah needed. God tells him to get up and eat. Elijah does. Then Elijah goes back to sleep. Listen. This is not the biggest like revelation I'm not going to like break down a scripture and break open a secret meaning. No, this is so simple. Receive it. Sometimes you just need to get up. Sometimes 
you just need a good meal. And sometimes you just need to get some rest. And it's that simple. That is something that you need. And it's something that heaven gave Elijah when he needed it. Oh God, give us a, just a good meal tonight in you. God, give us rest in you. And help us to get up in not only the spiritual, but also the physical. And also the mental. And also the emotional. God can feed us in all of those ways tonight. Somebody say amen if you know it's true. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is rest. Gosh, I have trouble with that one sometimes. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is nothing. Stop. Be quiet. Rest. Stand still. See the salvation of God. Close your eyes. Lay down. But I can't stop. I got too much to do. Don't you understand? I'm a really big deal. I've got things to do. People to see. The work I'm doing is much too important to even take a break. Some of you think that. I remember a time I stacked too much on my table personally. This is my personal story. I remember this day so well. I had one of these moments where I just broke. I was surprised. I was shocked. I broke in the middle of a church service. At the end, it, like they said, amen. And suddenly, I broke and I had to get out of there. I went to my car and I couldn't stop it. Tears started to flow. I started to cry. And I was wondering, what on earth is wrong with me right now. It was a Wednesday night after a Bible study. The final brick that broke my glass table was not even a big deal. It was not some big earth shattering thing. It was really nothing. A person I had been working with to lead music had struggled that night during worship. And I was probably the only person to even notice it. But I felt devastated and I felt like a failure and I felt like it was impossible and I felt like I wasn't enough and all of this hit me at once. It hit me in my emotional, it hit me in my mental and it hit me in my physical and it went straight through my glass table. My friend and pastor Kevin came out to the car and I want to tell you what he said. I remember this story so well. I've shared this story with people. And I know it's helped them. And I know it's going to help you today. My friend and pastor came out to me. And he said. Do you need to take Sunday off? And I scoffed at him. Wiping tears like. Fuck, yeah right. I can't miss Sunday. Sunday. It's too important, Kevin. What I said to him. He said these words. Kevin said, Sunday is important. I agree. But so is every Sunday that follows this Sunday. And Chris, you have a lifelong ministry ahead of you. 
And if I need to sacrifice this Sunday so that you're still doing ministry 20 years from now, it's an easy choice. And he said, you are more important than Sunday. I did not take that Sunday off. <laughs> I didn't. In fact, it's absolutely true. Truthfully, I still don't take off enough Sundays. I don't. But, but can I tell you something? That conversation helped me so much. That conversation reframed some things for me. His words not only affirmed me, they not only helped me realize I was burning out, but they helped me re-see, reframe the whole picture. Listen, what I'm doing is so important that I've got to make sure I'm here doing it 20 years from now. Mom and dad, what you're doing is important. Don't kill yourself today. We need you here tomorrow, next year, a decade from now. Am I talking to anybody that needs a day off from your ministry. I want to tell you the work we do is so important. But you are so important. And you have a lifelong ministry inside of you. And I want to see you fulfill it in strength. I want to see you fulfill it in joy. I want to see you fulfill it in peace. I want to see. And here's another thing. I'm going to add one more thing. I want to see you enjoy it. I had a pastor once. I'm not going to name this guy. I respect him. I love him. But there was something so problematic. It, it wounded me to see him. We would come on Sunday. And he would just be by the back door. Counting the cars. And you saw him in turmoil. Where are the people? Where are the people? And he was so, you could just tell it was robbing him of joy. It was robbing him of strength. And it was going to burn him out. And I remember one day I was praying for him. And I, 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 just, I just came to this revelation. Wouldn't it be a shame for him to accomplish all he did in ministry and not enjoy it? Wouldn't it be a shame for you to accomplish whatever it is you're working so hard in? Wouldn't it be, it would be such a shame for you to accomplish it all and be miserable every moment. Worship team, I love you guys. I love to play with you guys. Y'all can one day kick me off the team. I'll still love you. I love to do it with you. But listen, the Bible tells us to serve the Lord with, oh, who knows that verse? Serve the Lord with gladness. We need to be full of joy and gladness. Tech team, thank you back there. Usher team, thank you so much. Sunday school leaders, thank you so much. Connect group leaders, people that are stepping up and doing so much, thank you so much. But listen, I want to make sure you're enjoying it. I want to make sure that you have that joy of the Lord. Because that's where your strength is found. I want you to have that. And I don't want to burn you to burn out. I don't want to burn you out emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. I don't want to do any of that. Because you're too important to mistreat. You matter. 
Redemption Church, I want to do ministry with you, not just today, but next Sunday. What do you say? And next year, and for as long as I can, let's do ministry together. Doesn't that sound like the plan? Who wants to do ministry together? Who wants to serve the Lord together? Who wants to love God, grow faith, serve others, and go change the world? I want to do it. God, on the seventh day, rested. It is called the Sabbath rest. And we, it is one of the ten commandments, right? And this is just a, a, a small little picture of how important rest is. And how important God sees Sabbath rest. Perhaps God's really serious about it. But we're not serious about it. God wants you to rest in your physical in your mental, even your spiritual. You need rest and you need peace. Back to our story, 1 Kings 19.7. The angel of the Lord came back a second time. I don't know where he went. I don't know what he did. He found a nearby Walmart, made a grocery run. I don't know what he did. But the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said the same thing. Sometimes you need to hear it a second time. Get up and eat. He adds something to it. For the journey is too much for you. I think that's a word for somebody tonight. You need some rest. Because what's in front of you requires it. The family members that you're praying for. Requires you to be at rest and at peace. God's going to do that work. But you're going to be a part of it. And that journey. It's not going to be a short one. Maybe it's going to be years long. But you can find strength. A supernatural rest. So get up. And eat. Verse 8. So he got up. And ate. And drank. Strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights. Until he reached Horeb. The mountain of God. I believe that's also Mount Sinai. It's another name for that. I want to point out just real simple. Two times in this dark time, Elijah slept. Two times in this dark time, Elijah got up and he ate some food. It's just stuff in the physical, y'all. You got to take care of the physical. You got to take care of that. And God cares about that. God was willing to send an angel to tell Elijah. God sent me to tell you that today. Some of you are just not taking care of yourself. Please do something about that. If I can be of any help, please let me know. And we'll hold each other accountable. How about that? Pastor, you look like you're pushing a little too hard. Maybe you need to rest. And how about I receive that and don't go critical about it. And Elijah was strengthened by that food. And traveled 40 days and 40 nights. Now here's what. Whoa, here's what something happened there. God, he received something very physical. Sleep. And food. This was not like supernatural hot dogs. Holy Ghost hot dogs. I don't know. That's probably. Shouldn't say these things. <laughs> he. Received something physical. But God takes something physical. And he makes it supernatural. Yes, 
And this is a pattern all throughout the Bible. That's phys- prayer is physical. But God takes it, makes it spiritual. Worship is physical. God takes it, he makes it supernatural. And God can even take sleep. God can even take you eating a meal and make it supernatural. So supernatural, it lasted him 40 days. I don't have the map, but the map, the, that journey to Horeb, that was not a short distance. It was at least, ha- it was at least the distance of Jezreel to Beersheba. Elijah was strengthened. You have a journey ahead of you. You have work you need to do. But you need the strength to make it. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. Please come worship team. You need the strength to make it. Can you say I need. The strength Lord. To make it. Elijah travels to Mount Horeb. And he has an experience with God. You can never have too many experiences with God. He has a wonderful experience with God. God speaks to Elijah in a still, small voice. God whispers to Elijah. And in a whisper, you know what, you know what it takes to whisper? Being close. You can't whisper from across the room. God comes close. He whispers into Elijah's hearing. And Elijah is corrected in his negative thoughts. You can read it. We don't have time today. But he has some negative thoughts. He tells God. And God totally turns that upside down. Not with a shout. Not with a yell. Not with a a judgment. But with a sweet, close relationship whisper. But I want to tell you, as great as this moment is, Elijah almost never made it to the moment. Because he almost burnt out. Elijah later restores the rain and blessing to Israel. And he speaks, he says, I see A cloud the size of a man's hand. And he says, I hear the abundance of rain. And suddenly the whole whole heavens just erupted with rain. And if this part of the story is not cool enough, Ahab's there on a chariot. And he's like trying to get out down the mountain before it rains. And he gets passed by this old prophet that's got got his little robe pulled up. And he just outruns this king on his chariot. And it's such a cool moment. He almost never made it there. He almost never had that moment. Because of his burnout. That was the journey ahead. He almost never made that journey. Elijah meets a young man. He's just walking by. And there's a guy out in the field. He's got oxen and he's just doing the work of a farmer. And he looks over and he sees Elijah. And he says, I'm going to follow you. Let me follow you. And he goes and he burns the, the yoke of his oxen. And he leaves them behind. And he follows Elijah. And that man's name is Elisha. And through Elijah and Elisha's relationship. Elijah mentors Elisha. And 
He secures a future generation that would hear the word of the Lord during troubling times, during really bad times. Because of Elijah's relationship with Elisha, Elisha is able to stand up and speak the truth of God. And you know, Elisha goes on to do twice the miracles of Elijah. But that almost didn't happen. He almost missed out on all of that. He almost not ever, he almost never got to meet Elisha. What a great loss that would have been. All because of burnout. We started this message with a video of a child stacking bricks on a glass table until it broke. What amazes me most about the clip is that everyone seems surprised the table broke. Everyone watching this silly video, none of us are surprised. We're like, of course it broke. Those are like big bricks that you use out in your garden. Those are landscaping stones. And the child says, oh no, our table, it's broken. And that other child walks up and says, why is the table broken? Listen, sometimes we're the last to see it. We're the last to see what we're headed towards. But I want to be a friend to you and tell you, you're headed towards a breakdown if you don't change something. Please don't wait for you to break. Make the change today. Stop putting things on you that you cannot bear. And get healing for your mental, your physical, your emotional, your spiritual. Will you come rest in the Lord today? We, if, if you want prayer in this place, I'm so glad to pray with you. I want to pray with you. I want to see God do great things in your life. These altars are open right now. Our worship team is going to lead us in worship. Come on, let's reach out to the Lord. As they start, I'm going to start praying for you online. Father, touch my friends online. God, get a hold of their heart. Give them victory over emotional spiritual, physical, mental breakdown. Give us victory over it. Lord, help us to reach out to you. Help us to get up and eat. Help us to take care of things in the physical. And Lord, help us to learn your wisdom in all things. Father, in Jesus' name, come on, church. Let's reach out to the Lord. Let's talk to him. He's so good. He cares for us. He's so wonderful. He wants to do good things in us. 214 856 0550